from CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub. This is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at nudging and the use of artificially intelligent chatbots to engage and support students enrolled in college. If we sent messages to students about the need to refile their FAFSA, or if we messaged to students about their need to register on time, we saw that those kinds of messages had large positive effects on student actions. We welcome the University of Pittsburgh's Lindsay Page, co-author of a study examining a unique data systems-based chatbot at Georgia State University. Page discusses the conditions under which the chatbot is most effective. I found that nudging is very successful when, in particular, we are writing to students to encourage them to handle discrete, well-defined, time-sensitive tasks and some implications for higher education officials attempting to engage with students in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. In this moment, I think that text messaging and chatbot technology can be particularly useful as an additional channel for reaching students. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello, and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Muller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Lindsay Page. She's an Associate Professor of Research Methodology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Education. Welcome back to the podcast, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. So today, we're discussing your recent working paper, which was co-authored by Jonna Lee and Hunter Gelbach, titled Conditions Under Which College Students Can Be Responsive to Nudging. Uh, it centers on a unique program offered to undergraduate students at Georgia State University in the 2018-2019 school year, and it, it may have some implications for higher education in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, but to start, could you just give us a little bit of background? Um, what are chatbots, and what did we know about them prior to your work in this study? Sure. So um, this study actually builds on a prior study that we also conducted at Georgia State University. Um, So first, uh, thinking about chatbots in general, you know, you see chatbots when you go onto a variety of websites. Um, Oftentimes, a little text box will pop up and ask you if you have any questions or or need any help. So we can see chatbots on websites. We can also use chatbots to reach out to students and communicate to students or to communicate with anybody via text messaging. And that's what we did in collaboration with Georgia State University. So the chatbot that we implemented was a text message-based chatbot. And it's really a tool that we can use uh, in the context of a university to reach out to students, to remind them of things that they need to be doing, and to provide them with help and guidance to navigate any tasks that we need to ask of students. So the first study that we implemented in collaboration with Georgia State University, was using the chatbot to provide students with better support uh, really before they even got to campus. So this was thinking about the period of transition between high school and college and all of the many administrative tasks that students need to navigate during that time. And so in that first study, we used a chatbot to do exactly that. We reached out to students. We reminded them of the transition tasks that they needed to be navigating. And uh, we asked students via the chatbot if they needed help with those tools. And if students wrote back with questions um, needing help, the system of communication was pre-programmed with an information bank 
and uh, had an artificially intelligent component to it. So when students wrote in with a question, if the system could recognize students' question and sort of, under quote, understand students' question with a high enough degree of fidelity, then the system could automatically answer a student's question rather than having to wait for a university administrator to follow up. And so it really became a tool to have another avenue of communication with students and to provide them with faster support and follow-up when they needed uh, help with various tasks. So what was your team examining in this particular study? Were there specific elements of GSU's chatbot that were different, or were you taking a new approach to understanding how it worked and engaged with students? Yeah, that's a great question. So what is unique about uh, the implementation of the GSU chatbot This applies both to the the summer intervention that we had done and the intervention in this particular paper that we're talking about, is that the university has really excellent data systems, uh, really actionable data systems. And so what we were able to do or what the university was able to do with their data systems was really identify students, in some cases, who had particular requirements, particularly with administrative tasks. The university was able to isolate students who had to take care of specific kind of acute administrative tasks and then use the chatbot to reach out to students to remind them, hey, you have a hold on your registration. You need to take care of that in order to formally matriculate into your classes or you have an unpaid portion of your tuition bill. Do you need help with managing that or figuring out how to pay your bill? So one thing that I think is unique or really excellent about GSU's chatbot is not the artificially intelligent component of it, but really the data systems component of it. They were able, where possible, to use their data systems to really target outreach to students so that they could be quite specific in their messaging to students about about things that students really needed to be able to do in order to maintain success and maintain their standing as students at the university. So let's jump into your findings. Um, Those administrative processes that you were just talking about it seems that that's where the chatbot was most effective. So could you walk us through what you learned there? Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, the messaging that we sent out to students, uh, we really broke down into three primary areas. We messaged to students about these kinds of sort of time-sensitive required administrative tasks. That was the first sort of bucket of messages. The next bucket of messages related to academic supports on campus. So these were really supports that were on the periphery of their the specific courses that they were taking, but reminding students of the ways in which they could get additional support academically. And then the third bucket uh, consisted of messages focused on either ways to engage socially on campus or ways to get sort of career support on campus. So the career supports were really about things like summer job fairs, career fairs, uh, fairs and other opportunities through the career services office related to jobs and graduate school exploration and things like that. So what we generally found was that the messaging that related to the required administrative tasks had very large and positive impacts on student behavior. So for example, If we sent messages to students about the need to refile their FAFSA so that they could obtain financial aid for the next academic year, or if we messaged to students about their need to register on time for the following academic year, 
we saw that those kinds of messages had large positive effects on student actions. When, uh, the, when the task was really time-sensitive and when the task was also really clear and likely the consequences of not taking care of that task were also clear to the student. Uh, so that's where we saw really clear and positive effects. Where we saw less positive, not less positive, or just zero effects, where we really didn't move student behaviors or move student outcomes, were the messages in those domains of academic supports and social and career supports. And so while we can't say this definitively, what we hypothesize is that in, when, when we were messaging to students about required administrative tasks, in those cases, the consequences of inaction were really clear to students. If they didn't refile their FAFSA, they wouldn't be able to obtain financial aid. If they didn't handle a hold on their registration, they couldn't actually continue as a, as a student that semester. Whereas the messaging about academic supports and social and career supports, the consequences for those messages were not really clear. If, if students didn't pay attention to them or didn't act on them, the consequences for them might not be felt for a while. And so as we think about using this kind of tool, you know, nudging in general, chatbots more generally, we should really think about whether or not students will necessarily understand the consequences of the outreach. And if not, maybe we need to help them better understand what those consequences are in order to fully motivate them to take up what's being offered to them in the outreach. Some researchers have found that that nudging, like the kind GSU was using with their chatbot here, is difficult to effectively scale to larger bodies of students. Following your work on this study, would you say that you agree, or are there elements or approaches that other institutions might be able to adopt or learn from? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that there are a couple of things that we need to think about as we think about scaling this kind of outreach. So again, this is an observation that comes not from a single experiment where we've tested this, but really a kind of accumulated knowledge across a variety of studies. One thing that I have observed when this kind of messaging is attempted at scale is oftentimes the messenger, the ostensible messenger of the outreach, who is it that's writing to a student? Who is it that's texting a student? When we try to scale, oftentimes that who is a person or an entity that's quite disconnected from the student and their experience. So what do I mean by that? When we started testing out this kind of text-based nudging, oftentimes the ostensible sender of the message was a student's own counselor or a student's own advisor. And that's somebody who a student has a natural connection to. I think that idea of a natural connection can actually apply to a chatbot. When students are receiving outreach from an entity in their college or university from whom they would expect to hear. But when that messaging all of a sudden is coming from, say, a large national organization or even the federal government, students aren't necessarily expecting to receive text-based communication from those entities. And so they might be less likely to trust and want to act on the outreach that they're getting. So I think the first thing is a, an issue of trust and whether students expect to receive communication from whoever it is or whatever the entity is that's writing to them. As I talked about a little bit earlier, I think we also want to think about the types of tasks or activities uh, that we're encouraging of students and whether nudging is, is sort of the right thing to be doing. 
Phil Oriopoulos, who has also done great work in this area, would say, you know, in some domains, if we're looking to encourage student behavior or action, maybe they need something more like a shove rather than a nudge. And so in, in the work that I have done, I found that nudging is very successful when, in particular, we're, we are writing to students to encourage them to handle discrete, well-defined, time-sensitive tasks. But if we're looking to support students to, you know, engage in things in the long run, really change their behaviors, study patterns, and routines, maybe these kinds of simple light-touch reminders are not enough. This obviously wasn't a consideration during your study, but given the abrupt transition to remote learning we've seen at colleges and universities across the country this year, I'm curious if you think this kind of approach to nudging might hold some promise for student outreach as we move throughout the school year. Yeah, I definitely do. So I think the thing that I would say is, you know, as we're moving to massive remote learning for lots of students who otherwise would have chosen to be in person, not just nudging, but I think using text messaging as an additional channel of communication um, just to have another way uh, to communicate with students and for students to communicate back to their institutions, I think is really, really helpful. I think the other thing that I would say, and that uh, Georgia State University really appreciated about using this tool, particularly when universities had to rapidly change direction, have students uh, very quickly move out of on-campus housing and so forth, the university found that the chatbot and text message communication was just an excellent way to communicate with students and uh, make sure that their uh, message was heard immediately. Of course, this might be an in-the-moment kind of thing, you know, a few months or years from now. Text messaging or the channel of text messaging for communication may become saturated, just like email has gotten saturated. Uh, so that's something that we should look out for. But particularly in this moment, I think that uh, text messaging and chatbot technology can be particularly useful as an additional channel for reaching students. So now for those listeners who may be hearing this podcast a year or two years from now, if and when colleges and universities finally fully resume traditional in-person instruction, um, what do you think those school leaders and other stakeholders can take away from your work here? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I would say is that, you know, and this really, this really um, backs away from chatbots as a particular tool, but I think one key lesson from really this whole body of work is that students can really benefit from proactive outreach, proactive reminders about tasks that they need to be taking care of. And when the consequences of those tasks or consequences of ignoring those tasks is clear being proactive in reminding students about the things that they need to be doing can be uh, really, really beneficial for students. They can use help and support in that way. I think that we still have a lot to learn about the ways that we can um, use these kinds of tools to support students in really their, their core academic functions. So, you know, I would, as a researcher, I would want to encourage school leaders and stakeholders to um, be engaged in that kind of exploration. But, you know, in general, chatbots can be a very useful tool for communicating with students essentially where they are. Students spend a lot of time communicating via text. 
Uh, and so there's nothing to say that colleges and universities uh, shouldn't meet them in that place. And finally, uh, you just partially answered this question a little bit, but do you think that there are opportunities here for future research, um, either for your team or for others who are working in this area? Absolutely. So as I've said, so far in uh, using this kind of tool for communication, my work has really been on the periphery of the core student experience in the classroom. And so what I'm really interested in exploring is whether this kind of proactive communication tool, uh, an additional channel of communication, can be helpful in supporting students in their core academic work. And so it, continuing my collaboration with Georgia State University, that's really where we're going next, to ask the question of how this kind of tool can not only help students administratively, but can also be incorporated into their core course experiences and whether or not it can uh, support them to be more successful in the classroom and in their academic learning. Well, it's certainly um, a line of inquiry that we're gonna wanna follow moving forward. And your work here, again, is just incredible, Lindsay. So we wanna encourage our listeners to go read the full paper. Again, it's titled, Conditions Under Which College Students Can Be Responsive to Nudging, and it's now available at edworkingpapers.com. Lindsay Page, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest a future topic, you can follow us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E Hub.